You are listening to the Through the Bible Studio Series with Pastor Nate Holdridge. Join us as we continue our study through the Old Testament book of Psalms. Here's Nate. Well, if you have ever witnessed a child board a roller coaster with great apprehension and extreme fear and then watch the very same child get off of the very same roller coaster with a huge smile upon their face, then you know what Psalm 124 is all about. They actually enjoyed and and found in the fright great delight. And here, Psalm 124 is a song of pilgrims who have faced the monster and faced a flood, yet God was beautiful and wonderful to them, not in keeping them from the monster and not in keeping them from the flood, but taking them through the monster and taking them through the flood. This is a song where the pilgrims remember the previous times that God has rescued them and they testify of God's grace toward them. The first thing that they sing about is the beautiful reality that God had been on their side. And for us in our modern pilgrimage, we must know that God has been on our side. He says, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us. So the song is a hypothetical song. A big if, if the Lord had not been on our side, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. And the idea here is that God has been on the side of the people of Israel. Now, we don't know with certainty what monster or what flood specifically this song is addressing. Uh, Many people believe that this song is a song of the exiles who came out of Babylon. So if that's the case, then the slavery or the captivity in ancient Babylon would have been the setting. And so the monster would have been the Babylonian Empire, that through the pilgrimage or through the time of exile, God was faithful to the people of Israel. Some think that David has written this in the setting of the Philistines. And, you know, as mostly seen in the giant of Goliath. And some have seen a look deep into Israel's history, into seeing the Egyptian empire and the attempt of the Egyptians to swallow up the people of Israel. But in the midst of all of this, no matter the setting or situation, the pilgrims sing the the Lord. It was the Lord who was on our side. If it had not been the Lord, and then they go on to sing of 
all that would have happened to them if the Lord had not been the one who was on their side. But of course, in thinking about the hypothetical of God not being on their side, they were confessing God has been on our side. And the church, of course, can look back in their own history and realize that the Lord has been on our side. The church was saved from persecution from the Jew and rejection from the Gentile and all throughout church history and in the culture that has tried to swallow us alive. The Lord has been faithful. He has stood with us. Ultimately, we understand that that God or the Lord has been on our side by looking to the cross of Jesus Christ. Because of what Jesus performed for us upon the cross, sin and death and shame have no stranglehold upon us. Think of Paul's words in Ephesians 1, verse 3 to 14. In in that short little passage, we learn that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, that he's chosen us, that he has predestined us, that we currently have redemption, that he's lavished grace upon us, that we've obtained an inheritance, and that he has sealed us us. As we think about all of these different things, he's blessed and chose and predestined and graced and sealed us. As we think of all this, we must loudly confess God has been on our side. But not only has God been on our side in the, you know, history of salvation, but he's been on our side through the difficulties and through the trials. You know, because when a person enters into Christ, then even when we don't know how to pray uh, and we don't know what to ask for in prayer as we ought, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he then works all things together for good in the lives of his people. The reality is, is that so often when faced with the monster and when faced with the flood, we, we really, as Paul said in Romans eight, we don't know what to pray for as we ought, you know, we don't know if we should pray for a nation to experience a financial windfall, because it might be that through poverty, a hunger for God increases And more people give their lives to Christ. When someone is sick, of course, from our vantage point, all we know to do is to pray for the best possible health outcome. But we, on the other hand, don't know that the sickness or the, you know, cancer or death or tragedy it actually might be the very thing that protects them from some type of besetting sin that they would have given into had they, you know, had complete health. You know, we just, we just don't know. We just don't know. That's what Paul communicates to us. So from our vantage point, we pray for the best case uh, health situation possible, but we really don't totally know what we should ask for. When faced with the monster, though, we're able to look and say, you know, 
the Lord, he stood with us through it. He stood with us through it. You know, a song like this is is beautiful because it must be reckoned with. This is not a commercial. This is not a defense of who God is. Nobody is selling anything at this point. They're not advertising anything. All they are doing is testifying. They're testifying of the great truth that God has stood with them, that the, that the Lord has been strong on their behalf. They're just simply saying that they'd come up to the monster and the flood and that God had been amazing in that moment. And, you know, so often we tolerate, I think, the song that says, why has God done this to me? But, you know, as much as that is a human song to sing, it is a more beautiful song to say, I don't know why God has done this or why God has allowed this in my life. But I do know that God was there for me in the midst of all of that pain, in the midst of all of that ugliness. So the first thing that the pilgrims sing in this song is that God has been on our side. Now, they continue into the hypothetical in verse 3 through 6. He says, Then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. What they're saying is, is that if the Lord had not been our side, then there are many and various ways that the calamity would have overtaken us. At first, they talk about you know, an enemy who could swallow them alive. This speaks of a monster or a creature big enough to gulp them up with one bite, one swift bite. That's how large this adversary was. And then they use water for their next imagery. When they talk about the flood or the torrent or the raging waters, all different nuanced ways of talking about the danger of water and using that danger of water as an image for the potential terror of the enemy being brought upon them. And, uh, you know, a flood surge that just covered everything. And then he says, blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. I think this speaks of a slow chewing up of their lives. And I think if we think about these potential outcomes, had the Lord not been on their side, we can relate to all of them. Tell me that you have an experience, both the sudden, like a monster, or a swift torrent or flood, or also a slow, grinding, and methodical, and daily chomping of an enemy upon your life. So sudden or slow, we have experienced the difficulties. We have experienced the heartache. We have experienced the pain. And every enemy that we've ever had, every adversary that we've ever come up against 
it would have, as the song sings, swallowed us up alive. And of course, for Israel, as they look back, they could have said, you know, the Egyptians could have swallowed us alive. The Philistines could have swallowed us alive. The Babylonians could have swallowed us alive. And, you know, to think of Moses and Joshua and Samson, to think of how easily these men could have failed in the face of their adversaries. And to think of Pharaoh or Goliath or Nebuchadnezzar prevailing over the people of Israel. But that was not the case. The enemies existed. The trial was there. But the people of God prevailed. And I think here in this second part of the song, the hypothetical portion, we have this beautiful thing that we ought to remember. Yes, we are to remember that God has been on our side, but we should also remember that if he hadn't, we would have been overtaken. The world and our flesh and the devil would have had their way in our lives. Now, I think that when we remember the Lord's deliverance, this helps us with two sides of perhaps the same coin. First of all, it helps us remember that God has delivered us and that helps us with our fear. That helps us with our fear. But on the other side of things, it helps us see that we needed God's deliverance, that we would have fallen if it hadn't been for him. And this does not as much help us with fear, but it helps us with pride. You see, when life is pretty good, when things are smooth, when the bank account is fat, and when the health is strong, so often we are tempted at that point to forget our utter need for God. But it's good for us to remember what our fate would have been because it gives us the appropriate desperation today. You know, in ancient Israel, they, during the time of Jeremiah, were turning to other gods that could not satisfy them. And in that moment, Jeremiah said that you are turning to broken cisterns that can hold no water. You know, you're, you're trying to find your satisfaction, your refreshment and things that really cannot bring you that, that grace, cannot bring you that satisfaction. But in order for them to really feel that and to to experience that, God had to allow them to pass a little bit through the fire so that they would understand their utter need for God. We must not drift from that place of the rescue of God upon our lives. You know, to remember that God rescued me, what I would be had he not rescued me. I think sometimes we forget this and we must remember, you know, so often I'll see someone who goes through a radical experience of God's grace where in a tragedy or even in their own sin, a tragedy brought on by their own sin, a new desperation for Christ comes upon their lives. They begin to attend church with a greater fervor. They begin to embrace in Christian community with a new intensity and zeal. 
they begin to seek out accountability and the need for, you know, Christian friends to come alongside of them and support them in their lives. They become vulnerable. They become raw. But over time, it's so easy for that same person to begin to drift from that place of rescue of God, to forget what would have happened to them had the Lord not been on their side. And over time, they cease to turn to the Lord with the same desperation. They are drifting. You see, the enemy, he doesn't give up. And if he loses a battle in your life, he will wait. He'll wait for you to grow self-confident. He'll wait for you to grow comfortable and secure. But the Lord, the Lord wants for a desperation to exist within your heart and within your life. And to remember the hypothetical of what would have been had the Lord not been on our side. That helps us in our desperation for God. Now in verse 7, he announces what did happen in a beautiful you know, full of imagery kind of way. He says, we have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Now here he pictures a bird, you know, that escaped the monster, escaped the fowlers. This is another image. And, you know, there are lots of things that birds typify in the Bible. But here, the bird typifies a helplessness or a defenselessness or a cluelessness. And here you have a bird that a fowler is attempting to capture or trap. And this helps us remember, of course, that our adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour You know, he is trying to trap you. He is trying to destroy you. And so often we forget the plans of the enemy for our lives. You see, God has a will for you, but so does the enemy. The enemy wants to tear down your life and to destroy you. But what Israel saying was that the snare is broken. You know, we've escaped from the snare because the snare is broken. The snare is broken. You see here in the flow of this verse that they sing of being escaped, they sing of a snare, they sing of the snare, and then they again sing of being, uh, having escaped. And so here, what we're meant to learn is that God broke the snare so that we could escape. Now, this has been a verse of great encouragement to Christians over the years. We know that through the cross of Jesus Christ, the snare has been fully dismantled and dealt with. Colossians 2, verse 13 to 15, tells us that those who were dead in their trespasses, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed, verse 15, the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So he's announcing here that 
there was a moment, and that moment was on the cross when Christ was disarming the snare, disarming the trap, the rulers, and the authorities. And we were, at that point, not even those who were alive and about to go into the trap, but we were actually already trapped. We were already dead. But God made us alive. So the snare, the trap, has now been broken. You see, the reality is that Jesus has won the victory so that he can, right now in our lives, lead us in victory. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, that in Christ, God always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. He led us into victory so that others could smell the victory of Jesus through our lives. So we aren't to limp along like injured birds any longer, succumbing to the traps. No, now we can fly. We've been taken from Adam into Christ, and and now we can fly. And if you really think about it, that is a beautiful, you know, image of what Christ has done for us in that, you know, we did used to be an Adam. It says in Romans 5, verse 12 to 21, that in Jesus, we've received justification, which means that in Adam, what we had was guilt, but in Christ, what we have is innocence. In Adam, what we had was death, but in Christ, what we have is spiritual life. In Adam, what we had was sin, but in Christ, what we have is righteousness. And so we are now set free to fly. Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Let us enjoy the freedom that Christ has given to us. We have been set free by the Lord. Now he says in verse 8, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. What he's saying here now is that God's nature, that's what his name is, his character, just who he is. God's nature and God's character is to help his people. And covered by the blood of Christ, adopted into his family, the Lord is for us. And Paul said in Romans 8, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You see, now we remember that God's nature now is to help us as his people. Now, as we close out this psalm, I want to draw your attention back to the first verse. You know, so far, I've tried to tell you four main things. I haven't really been outlining them for you, but let me recap for you that this song is a song that, number one, helps us remember God has been on our side. Number two, it helps us remember if God hadn't been, we would have been overtaken. We would have been overtaken. And number three, we learn God broke the snare 
so we could escape. And then number four, we remember God's nature now is to help us as his people. But I'd like to take you back to the first verse because there the song begins, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. In other words, it's as if the singer interrupts the song to invite the congregation to sing this song. In the song, it's as if one person starts it and everyone else joins in. This is a chorus that everyone is meant to sing. And the reason that all the believers, all of God's people are meant to sing it is because it's a beautiful song. It's a contagious song. And I think that we ought to remember to sing this song together, number five. Number five, let's sing this song together. Let's sing the song of God's faithfulness. You know, it's one thing to sing the song of God delivering us in the sense of we never even had to deal with a trial itself. But so often that song is not sung. And it's another thing to sing the song that says, why did this happen to me? But it's beautiful to sing the song that when the monster came and when the flood came, the Lord was standing with me. I'd like to close with this passage from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 9. He writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Again, throughout all of history, God has stood with his pilgrims through the monster and through the flood, and he has been beautiful in there. God bless you. Thank you for listening. For additional resources and teachings, or to contact us, please visit us at nateholdridge.com.